All right, I've got some words on a page. I'm going to read them and then we're going to talk about them. That is uh, how podcasts work. So here we go. We've been talking about uh, sentiment shifting pretty positively in this space over the last few uh, weeks. Market's looking pretty tasty right now. Um, I also bought some doginals. What the hell are they? Am I an idiot? Am I a genius? Time will tell. We'll talk about that uh, and get into it a little bit later. Also, has Sam Altman discovered AGI? And is that why everyone got scared and OpenAI imploded and then unimploded? Is AI playing mind tricks on us? Does AI have a mind? I think I'm losing mine. We will briefly recap the chaos. Um, but also there's uh, some, as there always is, some new uh, interesting developments um, that I think are relevant to everyone. Um, so we will dive into particularly the updates with AI video. Runway is now churning out 24-7 AI TV. What does this mean if you are in the media content business space? It's all getting pretty spicy. Um, also think there's no coincidence that we are beginning to see Virtual characters really make an impact, uh, especially in the UK and the US. Now, off the back of that, we've talked about that before, but I think it's time to revisit it briefly again um, and why that might be useful to you. Roblox hits 70 million daily active users. Lego uh, looks like it's coming to Fortnite as well. There is lots to get into on this episode. Uh, Robin is here as well. Um, shall we start with the AI chaos? Yeah, let's let's just start with calling you an idiot. Okay, okay. I mean, because basically the rest of the show is just going to be me calling you. No, I, I no, <laughs> I, I will I will not do that because I'm gonna I'll prove my case. I'll prove my case with Doginals. To be to be to be quite honest, to be quite honest, I think he's probably right. Also, we should clarify because when you say this space, what you are talking about is the the Web three bit of this space because. As I'm seeing it, I don't think the metaverse as a concept is really is really reinflated yet, but crypto definitely has, and there's no doubt that a lot of people a lot of people conflate the metaverse with Web three, rightly or wrongly, and so it should catch an updraft alongside that as well. Maybe we'll see. True, good point. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yes, it's uh, all part of the bigger picture, isn't it? But yeah, crypto tends to lead. Uh, everything before the rest of it, doesn't it? Um, so we all know what happened with Sam Altman to a degree this week. We don't want to spend loads of time on it. It's been covered in depth. Um, but there is a tweet that went round from uh, Rowan Chung, who... Uh, I like in the, notes you've, in the notes you've written, one of those AI guys. Because <laughs> <laughs> like... Well, to, oh, no. to be fair to him, he writes lots of great stuff, but he does write a lot of stuff. But all no, but it, but it's a fair point though because like your your feed as, as mine is I'm sure is the same. Uh, you've got like this is like Bilawal Sidhu and there's like Joseph Epps, Aikenstam, and Rowan Chain. All of these guys, their tweet threads all sound exactly the same because you know they didn't write them. They're all using AI to write them, and they all sound exactly the same. So when you say one of those AI guys, it's not one of those AI girls. It's always guys, and they all have a newsletter. Oh, God. Yeah. Anyway, yes. Yeah. There's there's some good stuff. So, I mean, he posted a good thread on this. Uh, according to a report by Reuters, OpenAI's secret breakthrough called Q-Star, I think. Uh, yes, Q-Star participated the ousting of Sam Altman. Ahead of Sam's firing, researchers sent the board a letter warning of a new AI discovery that could threaten humanity. Nice. Uh, a day before Sam was fired. I mean, listen, before, before we go any further, like, there's been a lot of efforts to decomputerize these AI chatbots by giving them friendly kind of cool names like Claude <laughs> and like, you know, Bard, because Bard is Shakespeare was Bard. And it's like, oh, I'm really cool and creative. Yeah. Like if you're going to write a sci-fi film about an AI that's going to take over humanity and destroy the world, 
Q Star would be a quite a good name for it. Like, yeah, I'm gonna make it sound really threatening and weird. It's Q Star. There is a character in Star Trek called Q. He's like this omnipotent deity whose single sort of purpose in life is to camply throw jabs at Picard and make him really irritated. <laughs> it's just like I can't get I can't get past this. It's just like, oh gosh, mm. Q Star. I mean, what are they thinking? What are they thinking? Every part of their mission just goes against anyway, that that's just my little rant about open AR. There's so many, there's so many things that we could throw jabs at, but I'll let you finish. Sorry, I keep interrupting. No, it's fine. It was such a mad sort of 72 hours, wasn't it? Before we at all talk about AGI, it might be useful to just say what people think it is, but nobody really knows because it's kind of theoretical. But here's the definition. It's probably just useful. Artificial general intelligence is a type of intelligence in machines that enables them to understand, learn, and apply knowledge in a wide range of tasks and contexts similar to the broad and adaptable intelligence of humans. Unlike current AI, which excels in specific tasks generally, AGI can theoretically handle any intellectual task that a human can. That's what is being discussed here and, and is the theoretical future that this will be achieved logically at some point. Do you want to give us the double speeds just catch up in case anybody didn't follow all the parts of the <sighs> Sam Altman well, saga? Yeah, just on, just on the AGI thing, like if you take the pop culture version of AI, which is it's really, really smart and has its own agenda, that's basically what AGI is. But there's a sort of hopeful version of this, which is it will be much better at solving problems that human beings can't solve or have difficulty coming to consensus over than we are currently capable of. But then there's the pessimistic version of this, which is it will simply take a very rational, logical look at the world right now and say, well, things are a bit bogo and it's because of the humans. So to solve all of that, we get rid of the humans and then it's done. So that's that's basically the problem with AGI is that it 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 assumes that there will be a form of intelligence on the planet that is superior to the best of humanity. And therefore, it will be able to outmaneuver us at every turn in every way possible. And therefore, it, it will be the future will be great for AI, but it won't necessarily be great for humanity. And that is the great challenge here. So with that in the back of your mind, Friday evening, shockwaves, Sam Altman is fired by the OpenAI board. Nobody knows why, but there is a post put out which says that he hasn't been candid with his communication, which is very unusual for any board to put out because normally there would be a discussion about how they want to spend more time with their family or it's a personal matter. These, this, that kind of language. They just threw him under the bus. Like, not being candid means you were lying. So the question is, what was he lying about? Then for the next 72 hours, it was basically this very strange Twitter soap opera where Sam flexed all his social media muscles and got everyone at the OpenAI team tweeting heart emojis. It was one of the strangest, cringiest things I've ever seen. It was just like, I love the OpenAI team. We've built something incredible together. They're really like OpenAI has nothing without its people. And all the people responded in kind by tweeting heart emojis. It was just like, what are you doing? You're building probably the most important piece of technology ever invented on the planet with implications for the very existence of the species. And you're playing it out on a social media platform in public with emojis. What the fuck are you doing? If anything, completely the wrong emojis as well. Definitely put the shocked face for starters. Like that's that's the emojis you should be putting. It was just like, it was just, you know, like when people get up on stage for like Eurovision and they're like really, they're really happy about the people kind of, you know, like vote for me and they, they just do that. They put the heart <laughs> thing up. Like, that's what it felt like. And then Sam just kind of going, 
everybody loves me. Follow me to Microsoft. So it was such a strange thing. So on Saturday afternoon, we get these rumors that Sam Altman actually might be unsacked and might be brought back to OpenAI. On Sunday, he turns up at OpenAI and, and tweets this strange selfie with him in an OpenAI badge saying, this will be the first and last time I ever put one of these on. Yo, top lols, peeps. It's like, <laughs> grow up, grow up. And then Ilya Sutskiver, who is the chief scientist at OpenAI and one of the people who's kind of most highly respected in his field for um, the work he does on AI. And probably one of the people who is probably keenest to put the brakes on the development to fulfill OpenAI's mission of making AGI that is good for humanity. He flips because it's, you know, the rumor was that he was the one that that started this process of getting Sam out, out, out. Um, because, you know, the, the theory is that Sam is too commercially minded. He's building products. He's building this GPT app store. And that that was the reason that it all went wrong. And and then like he flipped. So now he suddenly is like, oh, no, I'm terribly sorry. I, I am Judas, but I'm back now, guys. I'm on the team again. I'm on the team again. It was the strangest thing. And then like on Sunday night, we hear that Microsoft's CEO, Satya Nadella, has offered Sam and Greg Brockman, the, the other kind of uh, chief protagonist in this weird drama who gets no coverage at all for some strange reason um offer them a job at microsoft building a new research development team yeah in in the heart of microsoft which just seems weird because if you're a, you know one of the premier startup founders of the century like you're gonna form a new company that's what you want to do raise more money go and form a new company and uh so monday morning we all believe that sam altman is now going to form this new enterprise. And then there's this letter that comes out, uh, basically from the OpenAI employees stating a complete loss of confidence in the OpenAI board and that threatening a mass exodus. And there's like there's a lot of people that work at OpenAI, over 700 of them. And by the end of Monday, European time, pretty much all of them had signed this letter because to be honest with you, if you're looking at your job prospects and you're thinking, 95% of the workforce is, is off, then you're going to be off too because what's the point in sticking around? And so you're seeing all this kind of shareholder value or potential value of the shares in this company just evaporate in three days because of something that we still don't even know existed or what, what happened with it. Why was he sacked? We still don't know. We still don't know. There is no clarity on this thing. And then, and then on Tuesday, it's like, oh, no, no, don't worry. Sam's coming back. We've booted off a couple of board members who were getting in the way. And it turns out that these board members were the effective altruist members of the board. And if you remember the SBF drama, uh, he is a self-proclaimed effective altruist, which is uh, it basically works like this. I know how to play the Silicon Valley game. I can generate a ton of wealth, and then I'm going to give all that wealth away for altruistic causes. So for the betterment of my brother, my man, my, my, my peeps. Um, and so, you know, the whole open AI mission is about creating a, a you know technology for humanity which is why all these heart emojis just felt so strange and if you've ever spent any time in silicon valley you you get a feeling of this almost messianic church like spiritual uh worship of technology like people kind of almost sit around a campfire and hold hands and sing kumbaya as they contemplate like world changing technology it's a very strange thing um and like when we were covering the humane ai pin you get the same thing like it was just sort of strange temple of tech the vibe on things and if you're looking at it from a very you know european perspective it just looks stupid to be honest with you so anyway things are kind of as they were to a degree sam is back a couple of board members have gone and everyone's just going 
what? And then it turns out, it turns out that yes, there was probably this like absurdly powerful like GPT-5 or what do you want to call it, Q-Star thing going on that they built and they scared the pants off them. And they were like, um, guys, do we, what, what, do, do we, do we, do we press the red button here? And if we do, what's going to happen? We don't know. But there must have been like, yeah, that they must have, that is a panic reaction. Clearly, wasn't it? Clearly there is something weird and nobody knows exactly what that is. And it could be anything and the rumors start flying and whatever, but it's, it was really odd, wasn't it? The whole thing. But look, there's, there's, there are some, there are some, there's some facts here, which is that Sam Altman left Y Combinator and nobody really knows why. Um, but he had, you know, he, he's, he's one of these people that is a reluctant leader, but he's also, you know, he has a fantastic Rolodex. He's been able to raise a ton of money. There is also the, the, the very, very real truth of just how much it costs to run open AI daily. Do you, do you ever, do you have the numbers to hand? I mean, I, I, no, I'd love to know. So conservative estimates, this is not including payroll. This is just the cost of running open AI on a daily basis, 700 grand a day. Whoa. Yeah. 700 grand a day. That's on a bad day. Like I've seen estimates up to 3 million a day, but even at 700 K a day, this is not including the staff. This is just the infrastructure. It's, around 21 million a month so you then can extrapolate from that uh if open ai is stating that they're going to share revenue with people who make these gpts then that's basically open season for devs to build gpts but also like what's the moderation on those gpts what you know what how, how are you going to moderate all this stuff which is why when they went on stage and said listen we'll, we'll cover your legal costs if you get into trouble you're just like have you thought this through have you figured out like what the what the worst case scenario is if someone builds X GPT that is just this thing that is horrific and spewing hate speech or is just basically, you know, built on copyright material that you cannot defend? Like, what, what is the plan for this? And it felt like the GPT App Store news that was sort of rushed out at the dev day was undercooked, to be honest with you. And so like, the, the, all of these things form the backstory to this. Um, but I mean, I, I'm sort of bored of talking about it because I spent three three days just exhaustively trying to figure out what the fuck was going on. And at the end of the day, I'm no wiser, except that there's this deeply horrifying feeling that they might have opened Pandora's box and that there's there's going to be a gigantic sweeping change in reality within the next six months. And I, I don't know what where to put that. I just don't, I don't know where to put that. It's like the dread is back. I, I had the dread and then I managed to get over it and now it's sort of creeping back in again. Um, that is good. That's really good, good context. And because um, I certainly didn't know all of those details. That makes a lot more sense when you maybe look at like, yeah, if there's decisions make, being made very quickly, uh, maybe not fully thought through, who knows then. Then, okay, I can see that. But it, the, the, the thing that bothers me, thing that bothers me more than anything else is that this whole situation from the outside, looked at by rational people. And I, I would consider myself one of the most infantile, childish people you could possibly hope to meet. I am an absolute doofus. I would never have done this like this. Not in a million years. I would be tweeting heart emojis and ratting like a little Pied Piper just going, come my little ratties, come with me to Microsoft. It just looked stupid. It looked infantile. I was like, guys, 
this is serious. This is actually very, very serious. And this is, so yeah, I did an episode of Metaplex this week and I was writing this thing as we were going along. And by Wednesday, I still hadn't put the episode up. And so everything had changed and Sam Altman had come back. And I, the only way I could sum it up was to have a phone call with AGI myself during the episode where he calls me up and is like, yeah, yeah we, we, Sam is back. And the only thing I could get to was like, this was a huge cosmic joke perpetrated by AGI just to make human beings feel for one last time that their actions actually mattered before nuking everything. <laughs> that was my takeout. That was the only way I could put in any way, put this into context for myself. It's like, yeah, this is just like AI saying, you think your matters, you think your actions matter. I'll let you have this one, guys. This one last time. Emoji away, heart emoji away. It was awful. For anyone who, yeah, who, who doesn't know, Metaplex is is Base AF's um, live uh, show. Well, show that is done in real time with virtual characters. <laughs> that really is chaotic. It's quite hard to explain because it's sort of never been done before. It's, it's not hard to explain. It's a TV show shot in Unreal Engine in real time. Yeah, there you go. That's, there yeah, you that's go. Better. That's it. I'll link it below. We'll talk about it in a minute. Yeah. Yes. That is all uh, absolutely wild, really, isn't it? Um, I do. My thesis of 2024 being an absolute AI shit show, I think it still stands very strong. Anyway, we'll move on because uh, we'll all get sad otherwise. But we should talk about the developments in AI video that gets covered a lot. But every now and again, we see these big shifts that aren't just like a, a little upgrade of a new thing that looks still AI. They sort of go into the next gear. And that's happened uh, with Runway Gen 2, which is one of the leading kind of AI video uh, tools that you can go and visit online and you start playing with stuff. You can prompt videos and do various other things um, with them. They have just gone up such a gear where there's some really incredible, very realistic uh, videos being made. You can just, you can see that we are not far away from that moment. Um, particularly mad as well. There's, there's the sort of the realism side of stuff. There's also a video, which I'll link below from a company called Pika Labs, uh, who ha who made like a kind of Disney Pixar trailer, and it is pretty much perfect. Like if if you saw that and were just saw it on TV, you think it'd been made by Pixar. I enjoyed your tweet, Robin, which was along the lines of uh, "I I'm out. Show me where the glue factory is." Uh, <laughs> <because> <laughs> it's yes. just like yeah. insane, isn't it? Um, so yeah, that's all happening. I'll link some stuff because obviously you know you need to watch this stuff to really realize. There's, they are also running. Uh, a live 24-7 AI-generated TV broadcasting sort of network. It's online. You can watch all these different shows that have just been generated in real time. We've talked about some of that before, but again, go look at it and you just, it's uh, its pretty wild. You spoke to a Hollywood producer though recently, Robin, which I think that would be what would be helpful for people is we can all see stuff, but where, you know, from the industry side, what are people thinking? How can people use this? What should we be prepared for? Yes. So much to unpack here. Well, it's not just the uh, Runway ML. It's also Stable Diffusion released a new video model, mm. which was pretty good. Uh, Pika Labs is another one that's pretty good. Um, listen, these tools are fascinating, and they they really kind of serve casual content creators who test them out and you know try things. What I notice with them is that it's it's all about optimal situations, and this has always been the way with with tools that are kind of one click solutions. Like once you want to get into nuance, and that can be as simple as a, you know hands, very very nuanced 
legs moving, anything complicated like that, they just break down. They, they're useless. But a, a human face turning slowly like this in magnificent slow-mo, it can do a really phenomenal job of. But that's like the easiest thing for an AI one-click tool to do. Once you get into like, can this do this? If I'm, you know, instead of, I basically boils down to this. So many things that I see are tests. I did a test. I did a test. I did a test. I don't give a shit about tests. I want to know if I have a story that I want to tell, I want a project and I want to use this tool in that project, is it going to work? And the answer is invariably no. I had a chat with uh, a man called Roy Price who set up Amazon Video about specifically this because we were talking about wanting to create animated content at next to real-time speed and how we could do that because you know there's Coco Melon that's blown up as like one of the biggest IP properties in the world and so obviously people are looking at this thinking how do we do animation and animated content in a you know, fraction of the time that we normally can and obviously everyone's looking at AI all of the people that I know who actually work in real production have looked at these things and go yeah it's not ready yet it's not ready it's not even close to being ready yet and it's I'll tell you the other thing that, that nobody ever talks about and that if you run a studio like I do this is very very important it's like how much does it cost really how much does it actually cost because you'll see like okay introductory offer you can do and then you hit the buffers like oh you can do two seconds i don't want to do two seconds i need to do like 20 minutes like how much is that going to cost me and then you get into credits so you get these credit systems it's like nah and then you get like subscriptions so what is a subscription oh it's going to be 24 dollars a month and i'm like well i already pay for Adobe Creative Cloud, why would I do this? And Adobe has Firefly and it has all these AI tools built in. I'm not using yours because I just, I don't trust it. And it's a shitty product. And I'm like, you want me to be a beta tester paying $24 a month? No, 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 I'm not doing that. The pricing structures are really tough. Um, I do talk to specifically motion capture AI companies about this kind of, and, and like looking at pricing models, like it makes no sense to do a pricing model over the course of a month. Uh, it's much better to do one over the course of a year because then at least over the course of that year, you'll, you'll ebb and flow in terms of your usage, but you'll actually get much more out of the tools. So anyone that isn't offering like a 12-month thing seems a bit ridiculous anyway. Um, so so what basically, you know, my conversation with Roy is just like, they're, they're, they're fascinating, but they only really serve AI-focused content creators because it gives them something to talk about and then they can move on to the next tool. Actually, in production, no. Nah. Yeah, that's a, nowhere near. It's a good, good roundup, isn't it? And uh, yeah, we'll see how it develops. But I, I think that's, that's very accurate. But there's just one other, one other thing on you talking about that Pixar thing. So I, I looked at it, and it, it's, it's okay. Visually, it's pretty great, right? It, you know that it can also get a lot better. But what you don't realize is that Pixar themselves is one of the most progressive and groundbreaking, innovative technology companies, far beyond just being an animation studio. Like what they've built. And they are all over AI and have been for a very long time. So all the simulations that they run to do like water or hair or fire, like they did in the Elemental film, like all of that stuff is all like high, high, high end, like groundbreaking, innovative AI and machine learning, all these kind of things. So if if anyone understands the implications of AI for animation, it's Pixar. You know, you're not going to disrupt Pixar like this. Hell no. They're way out in front. That's a really good point, isn't it? Like someone will be ahead of everything and it will be the studios who aren't stupid because they've built an entire 
company and have been ahead of everything for for ages. There'll be disruption, no doubt, on lower levels. But yeah, I think it's a good point that Pixar aren't going to suddenly turn around and be like, oh. There is one other thing which should be said here, which is like what we're talking about is the disruption of content creation. And yes, that's true. But the fundamental thing that makes content good is story. And at the moment, AI can't do story very well. It's generic and mediocre. And what you want is for story to be creative and different and to break new ground. And AI, I don't know if I see it as, as bit having that, that skill set yet because it's fundamentally built on things that already exist. And so it tends to kind of move towards the mediocre. That's my experience of it. Every time I try and use it, I've been trying to use Bing to help me write summaries of scripts and figure stuff out. It's just, ugh, I just don't like the output. And like, it doesn't matter how many times I try and prompt or reprompt everything else. I just don't like the output. It just doesn't reflect how I want to express myself. So, yeah, it continues. Yeah, no, that's well said. Um, the just I know everybody sort of talk about this, but for people, for you listening, like a kind of framework that I use if you're worried as well. Is this? It's kind of like a weird analogy, but I've said it to people. And I think it's clicked with them. I think I said it on the show before, but. I always think like if you have a electric keyboard piano at home, right, and you press the demo button and it plays a song, which is, isn't AI, it's pre-programmed in, right? Like that's not massively impressive. People aren't going, oh, you know, that's incredible. If a human came along and played that exact same thing in front of you, you'd be really impressed by it because it matters whether a human does it or not is also something to think about here. In the same way that you can buy, you know, from Ikea or wherever, loads of images for your house that like are really nice images, but they're not massively valuable because they've got no stories to them really and that's what makes that's what people care is human stories and that that is at the crux of a lot of this isn't it moving on also i think we we mentioned virtual characters we're also going to talk about uh, a bit of a market overview in a second as well but because we're seeing loads of this generative video stuff i don't think it's a coincidence that virtual characters and 3d um creations uh you know uh, like metaplex and like influencers like teflon sega um, who is, have really blown up recently. This has been a trend that we've seen particularly in Asia and it's beginning to come over to the UK. We've mentioned it before, but it's it's starting to kind of gather speed. And I think that is because it's new and different. And on Metaplex, and I'll link these things below because it's worth just having a quick watch of some of this stuff. Y- you can talk about it, but you know what? You are a virtual character with an identity and a personality and you can do mad stuff in an environment that you've totally built and manipulated however you like. And one of the cool things is changing fashion items with, you know, click of your fingers, you're wearing, you know, one jacket and then you're wearing something else and then your head can blow up or whatever. It's like really fresh and interesting uh, because it's, it's uh, you know, people are getting bored, I think, of, of seeing generative video, or at least this is very different. Maybe you could just quickly round up Metaplex before we go on to the market stuff. Yeah, so, so, so Metaplex is, this is a TV show. It's kind of like an MTV News roundup of stuff that's going on and we have guests. So we, we bring in other projects IP into our world and then bring them to life using live mocap. And I guess what I was trying to do was was basically just MTV, MTV News or you know, TRL, but just in a game engine and see if I could and see how how that would work. Um, so there's a, there's a there's a truth you run up against, which is if you if you just make content that you could just as easily make in the real world, there's no point doing it virtually. It it'll just break you because it's too difficult. And even you know using VR Studio or any of these other things, like you know that that's cool. But I think where you have to really set your your brain at is like, what can a virtual world or you know a game engine give me that real world production can't give me? And how can we make that the star of the show? So with with our particular show, what we realized is that bringing in other projects IP was a great way of showcasing 
these other projects tapping into their audience, but also showcasing what we do. It keeps the show fresh because it means that we're borrowing the story language of those projects and using it to express ourselves, which is really fun because uh, it kind of brings in a new dynamic into the studio with us. So basically, I'm, I'm a, I'm a meta human in a virtual studio that we've created, and I can also wear any piece of digital fashion that I want, but I can also change that piece of digital fashion at the press of a button. So as I'm talking to you, I can just flip between different pairs of shoes, different jackets, and it becomes this thing that I call light speed fashion. So it's this ability to just flip from one thing to another. And obviously, we, we plan all this out when we shoot the show, but that ability to just completely control my environment, control what's going on is really fun. And and because it's all logic built into the game engine, once we build the blueprint for that functionality, uh, it's there the next week when we pick it up. So we, we build all this, this tech into the studio that's accumulative over time and just starts to become really fun to play around with. And because we're in a game engine, like anything you could do in a game, we can do in the studio. But that studio doesn't have to be our studio. It can also be anything else that's built in Unreal, which allows me to travel anywhere, be anywhere, and be this kind of roving reporter or vlogger that can go anywhere. The key thing for us, which is, has been the North Star throughout, is that rather than chasing after the super high resolution rendered version that we know Unreal is capable of, we only record what's getting output by the volume live. So that basically means that we shoot it like a like live action. And that's something that people have a hard time wrapping their heads around. So we, we made the distinction between live and real time. So real time will give you like a pretty good result, all the lighting you can see in real time and all these kind of things. And you can get a really good feel for what the show, what, you know, what the environment will look like. But when you render, it'll do many, many more calculations to give you a much kind of higher definition result. We don't go there. We don't do any animation. We don't do any cleanup. What you get, what you see is what you get. And because of that, it means that we're not worried about perfection we're worried about entertainment so if it's entertaining in the moment or there's a mistake or then the mocap goes wrong we just roll with it and those little mistakes make it more human uh we also show people what it's like behind you know the scenes where you see us dancing around you see these characters and then we break that and show you what we look like in the studio doing it and people would love it and so it's just about being really lightweight with how we shoot things and and using reality tv as the as the guide here rather than hollywood cinematic animation it's it's like what does reality look like what does cheap tv look like in these environments and it's so fun oh my gosh it's so fun yeah it's fun to very fun to watch um i will link it obviously and it's worth checking it out even uh you know just watch a, mi a minute or so of it you get the idea that what you can do is is endless like you, you need one physical room and you could be anywhere in the world wearing anything being any characters it's uh it's pretty cool so um yeah, excited to see more of that come through. Uh, let's talk about the markets. Um, I think it's useful just to look at what's happening now. Obviously, none of this is financial advice. Do your own research. We might be wrong, but and and this isn't you know it's not a trading show, obviously. But it like to look at bigger trends because all of this fits into uh, a wider world, and uh, it's no coincidence that kind of hype and things build and stuff gets built and money gets raised in certain cycles. So you know this. Uh, week we saw CZ, CEO of uh, Binance, uh, plead guilty to money laundering violations. Uh, the Justice Department said it was require, requiring Binance, the largest crypto exchange in the world, to pay $4.3 billion in penalties and forfeitures. We won't go into that, but it feels like the final piece of the sort of clear up of regulation. These companies were building, you know, tech first, 
rightly or wrongly, it's nuanced in various ways. Uh, we've got a, B- a Bitcoin ETF almost certainly coming. Um, the space needs to be cleaned up before that happens. We've also got an election year next year. The wider stock markets, um, you know, yes, there may be a recession of sorts. Probably that will lead to some sort of money printing to, uh, you know, make sure the markets don't fail if that happens at all. Crypto and these markets generally tend to lead that and price that in six months, nine months ahead of time. And that, I think, is what we're seeing at the moment as kind of the crypto market and this space is, is, you know, has been on a tear really over the last few weeks. Um, So, yeah, interesting just to observe that. You mentioned about the kind of risk rewards at the moment. Holy crap. I I hadn't looked at the markets for some time because... To be honest with you, it used to be my job to look at this stuff, to track DeFi, to track the general market sentiment. And I, and I, I at a certain point, it's just not fun anymore. Uh, <clears throat> but the the 2022 low of like 16,700 or 700 or so in Bitcoin to where we are now, which is over double that, is, yeah, that's quite, that's quite a run. And it's happened in a very slow fashion. Um, I, I mean... Listen, financial advice, we don't give it. But if you are looking at this and thinking, oh, I should buy some Bitcoin now, there's only one thing you need to do is like, wait for a pullback. Just wait for a pullback because Bitcoin and crypto markets always give you more opportunities than you think they're going to give you. And given that the halving hasn't happened yet, the big action, and you can go and look at the charts here, the big action happens after the halving. So you're not slow, late. Uh, it's not. It's not game over. Um, there is time to play a, a Bitcoin bull market. So that's the only thing I will say. Um, just wait for a pullback. Typically, that is true. Obviously, we've no idea what's going to play out this time exactly. But you mentioned an interesting point. They just, if you look at the risk reward now, based on you know what we've seen previously, like okay, the Bitcoin lows were 16k, something like that. Outside of a major black swan event, something we don't see coming, what is your you know, risk here is maybe 40-50% down. What is the upsides with Bitcoin and some of the more riskier but higher risk reward plays as well? That's up to you. It's not for us to say, but it's interesting to observe, isn't it, at this point in the market? Yeah. So, so some, of the, some of the major things that people were kind of sitting on thinking, uh, does, this, does this blow up and then kill crypto? And so there's quite a few of them have now been ticked off on our, you know, Bitcoin bingo card. FTX blowing up, Terra blowing up, Binance, regulatory endgame there. I mean, Binance is an interesting one because CZ seemed to be the Teflon Don of crypto, basically. It's too smart, was very good at playing regulatory arbitrage, and has now basically done the deal. So the deal is done, and that goes away. What else could possibly happen? Ripple settled with the SEC. Actually, they won the case against the SEC, which was massive because Ripple has always had a cloud over it. There are a few others. Tether, if Tether fails or Tether is or Tether goes belly up, that's bad. Or if USDC goes belly up, um, that would be awful. Uh, there is so much <clears throat> value locked up in those two stable coins. But beyond that, I think um, generally there has been, unlike 2017, there has been a new narrative. Sorry, unlike 2021, there hasn't there wasn't a new narrative around Bitcoin in 2021, which was unusual because in 19, 2017, I can't do my dates. 1917, <laughs> we're in the middle of a war back then. No There's Bitcoin no Bitcoin then. then. No, to the, 2017, 
Bitcoin was all about the Lightning Network. It was all about SegWit, all these things that just feel <laughs> hilariously old fashioned now. But there was a huge amount of interest around that, which propelled any network that was built on the same basic kind of principles, like Litecoin, like, uh, oh gosh, there were so many of them. But there wasn't a big narrative around Bitcoin in 2021. But now there is, because we have NFTs on Bitcoin called ordinals. And they might, they might just be the most important new thing to come to Bitcoin in about eight years. It's very mm. strange. I, was, I wasn't seeing that one coming. And you, you've now been buying Doginals and <laughs> yeah. Doge is built on the same, so it's basically a fork of Bitcoin. So, you know, now you're, you're buying the, the Dogecoin version of that. And if history's proven anything, it's like, don't bet against Doge. It's too strong. Well, it's, it's like, I mean, you know, this is clearly ridiculous. And Dogecoin, it, Doge is a meme coin. You know, we know fundamentally they have no va value really. But, you know, a, a, as money flows in and, and sort of in the status in now, crypto markets all respond to kind of wider liquidity in the bigger markets, right? It's all connected. It's not a conversation for now, but, you know, Bitcoin leads. And then as money comes back in, this tends to be what happens is people are like, oh, I've made money. I'm going to go further out on the risk curve and go and buy some other stuff that is riskier and might get more returns or you might lose it all, right? Uh, I looked at Doginals, which is, you know, uh, Ordinals, NFTs on Doge and, um, uh, you know, like meme tokens on Doge as well. You know, you know the fundamentals there are kind of ridiculous, but, you you can sometimes be like okay this this is basically sort of shit coins squared if stuff goes crazy again if elon starts tweeting about you know doge or makes extra payments platform and all this stuff like mate yeah that's my th thoughts behind it i do not recommend you do the same but it's just interesting to see like okay it's human nature is is how these things play out um but yeah i'm i'm looking at it and it's it's kind of uh, mad but i we will do an episode well first things we we've got the co-founder of uh tether on the show next week we talk a lot about blockchain gaming stuff as well. We will dive into some major themes that emerge, you know, off the back of markets picking up. That's when we see stuff come through. Blockchain gaming really feels like it is the beginning of one of those uh, real world assets people are talking about as well. The ability to tokenize a physical thing, trade it before you claim the physical thing. I thought it was interesting to just take stock at the moment. Anyway, let's um, wrap up with a couple of quick stories to finish. Roblox recently hit 70 million daily active users, which is quite mad when you think about it, isn't it? Not necessarily unique users, it should be said, uh, but 70 million daily active users is, is a huge number. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, Fortnite's 70 million monthly. Um, there is no doubt. There's no doubt that, that the general consensus is that <clears throat> Roblox, Minecraft, Potentially Zepetto, potentially Fortnite, but like Minecraft or Roblox. I don't even know what the, the Minecraft daily active users is, but it's absolutely monstrous. And I can understand why, because it's great. I love Minecraft. I, I wasn't expecting to, but like after spending 50 hours playing it, it's awesome. We should compare actually your, the game you, you brought up last week, which is Pixels, uh, which is which when we spoke was had just gone past 100,000 daily active users, which just seems laughable compared to Roblox. Um, it's gone past 150,000 now, and it's doing really well. I I had a little play of it, and I, I understood your enthusiasm for it. It's, it. it's all about the difficult second album with that game. Can they get past the initial hype phase and build um, through? But I, I, I also had a, you know, a deeper dive into it, and it does seem like the people behind it, what they're doing is well-intentioned and, and has got off on the right foot i mean but there's no doubt but in terms of web3 gaming it is the game right now and um 
Definitely worth a look. Yeah, for sure. Um, also, uh, we are also going to have um, Stephen, who runs Metaverse Markham. It's a, it's a um, Roblox Metaverse strategy and consulting firm, which will be really interesting because we'll talk a lot about the business side of Roblox. Uh, it's very clear. I think, you know, if you are in a space where you are trying to get to uh, particularly younger users, but also Roblox is going through the TikTok thing where it started with kind of kids and people sort of think it's silly and then it ages up fast because also that generation grew up grow up the fastest growing age group on roblox is 17 to 24 as we know so they say uh, i i spoke to i spoke to a vc about this and his his word was bollocks oh okay tell yeah, me more he said he said bollocks i i don't have any more data beyond that but he said yeah we looked into this it's bollocks the you know they say they're aging up they're not um we'll have to see if that's true he also very rightly kind of brought up the problem that Fortnite has, which is on Roblox, you don't have Battle Royale. You don't have a game that sucks up like the vast majority of player time and player liquidity on the platform, but Fortnite does. And until Epic figures out a way to segregate those two things, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. Um, but then, you know, that's kind of the whole strategy, isn't it? They need to bring fresh players in and new people in. And I think we're going to hear a lot about this phrase, player liquidity in the future, because if you want to build a successful Fortnite strategy and you want to build on UFN, you it's not even about the quality of the game. It isn't. It's about player liquidity. If you can't solve that, don't do it. I think it's very similar to, to making videos or memes that hit, isn't it? It's like it does it's not necessarily the most perfect quality that people rush to and come into. It's it, like um up uh, only up is a great example uh, of that, isn't it? Um yeah, and the final story that we wanted to talk about here as well is there has been some potential Lego and Fortnite leaks. So this is from HypeX on Twitter. I will link below. Um, supposedly, there is a release date of December the 7th of now where you play as an actual Lego character. Uh, there's lots of items to collect there. You can also mine and build stuff. Um, you know, these are common things within a lot of these games uh, anyway. But uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting, massive um, move from Lego into Fortnite, if true. There was also an announcement way back with Epic Games doing some sort of Lego metaverse, but I don't, I don't think that's ever materialized. But Oh, no, no. <clears throat> that's very real. Is that coming? Okay. That's very, very real. Yeah, yeah. I think this is probably the precursor to that. It's them playtesting the mechanics. But yeah, this... this I, I need to kind of figure out what this is because it, it, whether it's a standalone map or whether it's going to be part of Battle Royale... I, I doubt it's part of Battle Royale, but it's definitely... Uh, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a big thing for Fortnite. What's weird is that there is an M and M event coming on the second of December as part of the Chapter Four finale. So Chapter Four has been OG Fortnite and has been in a rip roaring success for the platform. If you were building Fortnite Creative, <laughs> good luck. I I often compare it to Bitcoin actually because when Bitcoin goes on a tear upwards, it just just destroys altcoins <clears throat> if you're a fortnite creator it's basically if big if, if uh, battle royale is popular you're not going to get any players um so it's when battle royale sort of goes into a lull you see that's the problem with the, the platform at the moment it's 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 the same players being kind of circulated around these different experiences but it's just funny that you've got eminem who's not known for being particularly kid-friendly <laughs> yeah to be honest uh a little bit pg-13 and then you've got lego on the other side it's like Fortnite's nuts. Yeah, Epic. Epic is nuts. I tell you why Epic is so nuts because it's still a private company, and Tim Sweeney's still the boss. It's the whole like, like you you can't get rid of Zuck. They try to vote him out every year, and he's just like, "No, I've got I've got super votes. 
you can't get rid of me. <laughs> Tim Sweeney's just like, I'm going to get into a lawsuit with every major technology company in history, one by one, uh, because I can. <laughs> it's 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 oh, it's a soap opera. I can't wait for Unreal Fest next year. It's going to be hilarious. Yeah, wild stuff. Um, the numbers pretty yes. pretty crazy. But I, I no, but genuinely, I am excited for Fortnite Lego. I think it's going to be really fun. And you know, the other thing that that probably I don't know if you knew this, but like all those those Lego animated series, you know, and there's tons of them. I mean, like Ninjago and all these kind of things. They've all moved, and they're hilarious. They're genuinely, I find them yeah, really funny, are. like the Lego Movie and Lego Batman and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, though, those those are the TV. Yeah, but they've they've all moved into Unreal. They've they've all gone into Unreal now. Ah, interesting. From whatever it was that they were using, uh, and I suspect one of the main reasons they've done so is so they can simply pour all of those assets into game experiences like that. Ah, yes. Uh, that is the trend. So that's that's all I'm going. There was a big presentation at Unreal Fest about that, and it's like that's that's pretty major. That's pretty major. Like if you're a kid and you love that world, that you love that universe, and then you can go through and do all that stuff, and they can they can gate it behind the right player ratings. I, I've I've long thought that the Lego connection for Fortnite is it's like a major boost. It's a major boost point for that platform. Unfortunately, it will probably pull a lot more players away from other creative so um for us that are building these experiences like we need to figure out our own discovery and build pools of liquidity for different types of games that, that aren't pulling from that but anyway that's 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 the that's the game you play yeah pretty interesting stuff um i think that's pretty much the pod pod we're just going to leave you with a uh uh song from the crypto bubble um whilst all the buy that stuff was kicking off uh Janet Yellen kept uh, pronouncing Binance wrong. She thinks it's uh, Binance. Um, and the crypto bubble uh, made a stellar song. Let's, Go on. Let's, let's, just, let's just unpack that for a second. There is a word in the English language which looks a little bit like Binance. And remember, this is a, this is a financial services trading platform. It is, it is related. And, and what do you think that word is, Mr. Franks? Um, I, th I think it's finance, although I didn't realize that until this week. No. Finance. Finance. And, and the reason we know this is because when we talk about financial technology, we don't talk about fine tech because it's not fine tech, it's fintech. So obviously it's finance. Everybody knows that. It's binance. It's going in the bin where it belongs. Uh, regardless, this is a great song. Thanks. It's a great song. Finance. Finance. So excited I could dance. Dance. Finance. Finance. Everybody raise your hands. Dance. Finance. Finance. I can feel it in my pants. Dance. 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 Actually, it's Binance. So excited I could dance. Dance. Everybody raise your hands. Dance. I can feel it in my pants. Dance. 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 Actually, it's Binance. They hear me yelling, they're like, pardon, gibbish. The secretary's in the crib. It's straight mafia shit. It's still fed, then let the bangs hang with the crib. The rag's blue, like my blazer. She's a fav favorite crib. Granny J back in the mix. Yeah, I know you missed her. Name Janet, but I'm yelling. I ain't Michael's sister. We run the game, y'all silly. That's all, really. About to ball like a player with that for Billy. And this will make all of us safer. See you next week.